The following production is brought to you by Derek Lamont Enterprises, a subsidiary of LBM Entertainment, exclusively licensed for use on Patreon.com. Enjoy the show. Patreon.com slash the Derek Lamont Experience, as well as the All Our Nonsense Podcast Network. Of course, my name is Derek Lamont Jackson. Welcome back after so long to Sports Desk. This is a weekly show on Patreon. Um, I'm giving this to everybody at the same time. You guys enjoy your holiday weekend. Um, some crazy shit happened in sports this week. I knew I was going to have to turn on the microphone and uh, talk about it because, wow, you know, what a week. Number one, I want to start off by congratulating the Colorado Avalanche. I'm winning the uh, 2022 Stanley Cup Final over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, for Tampa Bay, of course, there's a lot of questions about who's going to come back, who's not. Uh, how do you keep that team together? Um, Stamkos only getting older. Cooch only getting older. Those guys have some injuries and stuff like that. So the question is what happens with them. Um, they did go ahead and re-sign Nick Paul to a seven-year deal. Crazy. Um, he had some big plays in the in the playoffs for him I don't know if he's worth seven years but you know they brought the guy in they felt like he was uh, a piece that could help them going forward so I'm not sure but you know um, again congrats to the Avs McKinnon uh, Landis Cog, Kale McCarr, um, Nazem Kadri, Devin Tays, um, Devon Tays, I'm sorry, um, Jared Bednart, great team a lot of people were like this is going to come off as sacrilegious as me, you know, congratulating them. They're like, well, you're in St. Louis. You're a Blues fan. How do you congratulate the team that knocked your team out? Understand this. Um, I'm very proud of the Blues for the way they handled adversity, uh, adversity, I'm sorry, this season and how they, you know, were able to march through. And even that big first-round victory over the Minnesota Wild. Make no mistake about it. I said going into this season, I had Colorado as the cup favorite. When I filled out my back, uh, brackets, you know, a night or uh, two nights, whichever, be, whichever, before the Stanley Cup playoffs started, I had Colorado in the final, and I had Colorado winning. I had Colorado going through the Blues to do it because that's just the way the matchups lined up based on seeding. Um, had the Blues knocked off the Avalanche, I'd have been extremely happy and been like, eh, well, there goes my bracket, I don't care. But... I thought Colorado was the best team front to back, and they just proved that. You also have to factor in the fact that Tampa Bay Lightning played in the last game of the season, the previous two seasons. Um, Let's also not forget that this same team, well, not the same team exactly, but the Avalanche played in the 2015 Stanley Cup Final against the Chicago Blackhawks. They've logged a lot of minutes in ice time, and their core guys who have been there through it all they were tired, they were burnt, and they were primed to be beat. Um, a lot of people thought that once they won Game 3 at home, it was going to swing the series. I just felt like Colorado was always in control. So, again, congrats to them. As far as hockey news goes, um, the Blackhawks are still apparently uh, actively shopping Alex Dabrinkit, so be looking out for that. I know the draft is coming up next week. Um Not sure how it's going to shake out, Um, but uh, Montgomery is 
I'm sorry. Um, really quickly, Brock Bozer resigns with the Canucks on a three-year deal, so there were a lot of questions about what's going to happen there with him. Um, as far as that Paul deal in Tampa Bay, seven years, 22, uh, $22 million. Uh, the Sharks, I don't know why, just now fire uh, their coach after three seasons. Like, you're still trying to find a GM. Like, I think this decision should have been made, right, going forward. I think San Jose is going to go through a couple of, actually not even a couple, quite a few lean years. I, as far as the teams in California, they're probably the worst right now. Uh, the Kings just added Kevin Fiala. Um, I think Anaheim is only going to get better. I just... Looking at the Sharks, it's like, wow, it's a fucking dumpster fire there. So, I don't know what's going to happen with them. Uh, the Jets have brought in Bonus as their coach. So, congrats to him after, you know, being unceremoniously dismissed in Dallas. Um, well, for my Blues, we lost one of our assistant coaches. Montgomery is headed to uh, Boston to be the head coach of the big Boston Bruins. So, congrats to him. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right over to the NBA because... You know, NBA offseason, best offseason by far. NBA free agency is better than any other league because the NBA is the one true league where one player can truly change your destiny. In the NFL, you have to have, you know, a great offensive line. You have to have a, a pretty good running back, a really good quarterback, and somebody. you have to have good skill positions to be able to get the ball out to those guys to score. And you got to have a formidable defense as well. You have to end special teams. You have to be good at every aspect of the game. And the NHL, because you only play shifts about 45 seconds, having one stellar player on a team full of nobodies is not going to win you a cup. It takes a lot. You can have the most talented player in the league and not win the cup. Edmonton Oilers, you know, this is the first they've gotten quite some time, uh, probably since they, I think it was 2007 where they lost the Stanley Cup final, but Connor McDavid is the best player on the planet. I think Nathan McKinnon's fucking fantastic, but I still think Connor McDavid is the best player on the planet. Connor McDavid has not won the Stanley Cup, even though he has Leon Dreisaitl, even though they have some other pieces, and they may bring Evander Kane back. But it's different in hockey. 45-second shifts, right? Baseball. Mike Trout, undoubtedly the best player in Major League Baseball, only been to the playoffs once or twice, maybe, right? They had a swing where they just lost, uh, was it 12 straight games, and they ended up firing their coach, their their manager, I'm sorry. So in the NBA, one truly dynamic great player can shift if you have just a little around him. LeBron left the Cavs. They were in the lottery. He goes to Miami for four years, wins two titles, makes the, makes the finals all four years goes back in his second season back in Cleveland, helps them win their only NBA championship. And for all those years that he was in Cleveland, made the NBA Finals every single season, right? He leaves, guess what? Cavs are right back in the lottery, all right? So one good player can shift things. So let's go ahead and start. Right now at the top, Kyrie Irving obviously wanted out. Um, the Nets didn't seem like they wanted to lock him up long term. He needed the money. Well, I wouldn't say he needed the money, but he wants to get paid. Obviously, there's been some rumblings that his Nike deal is coming to an end, and Nike's not going to extend him on that deal. So he's got to pick up that money elsewhere. Um, he had the option to not opt in and to walk in free agency. 
a lot of people saying he's definitely going to the Lakers. Here's the thing. If he opts in, it's $36.5 million. If he doesn't opt in and just walks to the Lakers, the only thing they can offer him is their mid-level exception, which would have been $6 million. So he's losing $30 million at that point. Um, the Nets were you know, willing to do a sign and trade. They told him to go out there and seek a trade partner. The Lakers offered a straight swap him for Russell Westbrook. The Nets said absolutely not, right? So obviously Kyrie opted in. Bradley Bill opted in. I love Brad. For me, it's St. Louis versus everybody. I love Jason Tatum as well. I don't want to see the Boston Celtics win anything because I'm also a Bulls and Laker fan. So let me be very, very fucking frankly clear about that. I love Jason Tatum, but I don't want the fucking Celtics winning anything while I'm alive. While I'm alive. Brad Bill, another St. Louis guy. Love him to death. Get paid. If that's what you want to do, get paid. You're not going to win an NBA championship as a member of the Washington Wizards. That's absolutely not going to happen. They don't have the infrastructure. Um, There's just nothing about the Wizards that says, hey, this is a winning team. There just isn't. So by all means, like I said, get paid. But also understand you're shutting the door on any title chances you have. So anyway, back to Kyrie the Nets. Kyrie opts in. $36.5 $36.5 million, and then, what, a day later, Kevin Gardner, Kevin Durant says, I'm out of here. Trade me. So now we're back in this position where they're not going to trade Durant and keep Kyrie. So now you have to start taking calls on Kyrie again. He's already told, he's telling people he's going to end up in L.A. He's going to play for the Lakers. So the question is this. The Lakers, apparently, when they first called on Kyrie, not willing to add Taylor Horton Tucker into that deal. Now, they're in a position where they are willing to. Um, it looks like if, if the Nets don't help Kyrie out and send him to L.A., because he's already telling people he's going to L.A., it looks like, apparently, per his camp, he's willing to sit out this season. Because they have to pay him at this point regardless. He's willing to sit out this season and then walk to the Lakers in free agency next season. So then if you're the Nets, you lose him for absolutely nothing and you had to pay him. At this point, and this is not the Laker fan in me, this is just somebody thinking business-wise and sitting myself in the the shoes of GM. If you're going to lose him, get something for him. He's off the books at the end of next season regardless. You might as well get something for him. Because they... Definitely moved heaven and earth trying to put together a championship team. They need to, you know, they're going to get some picks back for Kevin Durant, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. But keep in mind, with them bringing Harden in, they gave Houston an absolute haul. They don't have draft picks sitting there where they can build their future through the draft. They just don't. They gave, uh, God, let's go back and review. Rockets got Karis LeVert, who would have been a great piece to still have, um, and three first-round picks. So they obviously got Brooklyn's pick this year. They get their pick in 2024 and 2026. They have four first-round swaps last year, next year, 2025, 2027. If you're not familiar with the swap, it means, let's say, 
Brooklyn falls on their ass because they they've already moved Harden to Philly. Um, we don't know what's going on with Ben Simmons, but Durant is going to be gone and Kyrie is going to be gone. Okay, so Brooklyn falls on their ass because Ben Simmons has not shown us that he's a leader and he can lead a team to the playoffs. So let's say Brooklyn bottoms out and they're in the lottery, right? And they win the lottery and they have the first pick. This is 2023, right? And the Rockets are in the lottery as well, but they are picking fourth. With that swap in 2023, they can swap those picks. Right. So if there is a generational talent that we see next season in college basketball, go ahead and pencil him in as a Houston Rocket. You know, if not saying they're going to be that high or anything like that. But let's just say Brooklyn has better is higher in the draft lottery and then Houston's lower. Guess what? Swap. Now we're getting a better player. So it like they don't have a future right now. They gave up their pick this year, two years from now, in 2026, right? And they have first-round swaps last year, next year, 2025, and 2027. So they're basically stealing the draft, or they had their draft stole from them going back from last season all the way to 2027. How are you going to build a team like that? You're just not. Because in the years where they don't have to give Houston a draft pick, they have they have the swap situation. So then what? You can't build a team that way. So at this point, you know, if the Lakers are going to offer Taylor Horton uh, Tucker, um, Russell Westbrook, and a pick, take it and move on. Because at the end of the day, if you try to send Kyrie somewhere he doesn't want to be, number one, no other team is going to step up and take a guy on a rental, especially when the guy keeps saying, I'm going to L.A. The Lakers learned from this mistake in the past because – they didn't move quick enough to get Paul George when he made it very clear that he wanted to be in L.A. and he requested the trade. And um, the Pacers were like, absolutely fucking not. Larry Bird was leaving at that time as the head of basketball operations. And Larry and Magic are friends, but they're still rivals, going all the way back to Michigan State versus Indiana State in the NCAA championship going to the NBA Finals all their years. You know, they were tied together throughout their career. Um, Larry Bird was not about to do business with Magic Johnson on his way out. Now, Bird is no longer running the Pacers. Magic, obviously, no longer running the Lakers. That's Rob Palenka's fault, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, Paul George, I think, had a a full year left. He was... uh, I think he was... He was in the middle of the season when he asked about the trade, and then he had a full year left. He had to play out a year in Oklahoma State and then decided to stay there with Russ, and that didn't work out. And then Russ found out, just like everybody else, I remember waking up one night looking at my phone and seeing the ESPN update that in the middle of the night they you know, made this sneak deal for Kawhi and Paul George talking and Kawhi saying, if you can get them to trade you, I will come to the Clippers. Right? And then you look up and Pat Bev is celebrating and he got traded. And also Pat Bev telling Steph Curry the next five years in the league were his and then being traded five times is absolutely fucking hilarious, by the way. He also got traded yesterday. I'll get into that in a second. But you're going to lose him anyway. And this is a guy, one of the three guys that you basically gutted your team for, right? 
the it was the Harden deal that really gutted them because they didn't have they don't have any picks right now. In the years where they do get to keep their pick, they have to swap with Houston, right? So you're gonna lose. You've already traded Harden. You're gonna lose Durant. We know that, and you didn't want to bring Kyrie back at, anyway, not long term. And he had the player option, so he still had the control. If he's going to end up in L.A., just trade him there. Take the deal that works best for you and trade him there. Because if you try to trade him anywhere else, like, oh, well, no, Kyrie, um, guess what? Uh, guess what? The Sacramento Kings are presenting us a really nice deal, so we're sending you to Sacramento. Do you think Kyrie Irving is going to show up? And everybody being like, well, if you trade him, he has to go there. This is the same guy who said, yeah, I'm not getting the vaccination. Right, I'm not getting the vaccination. I just won't play at home. Well, you're not going to play on the road either. And then they figured out, fuck, we actually might need this guy. All right, you can play on the road. Then the mandate is lifted and he plays at home. They still get swept in the first round, but they knew that they needed him. Kyrie Irving still has the leverage here. Anybody that's saying the Boston, I'm sorry, the Brooklyn Nets do is out of their mind. I'll get to Boston in a second. Kyrie still got the the, the leverage because he wants to be in L.A., with LeBron. When Kyrie called and apologized to LeBron for whatever was going on in Brooklyn between him, Tatum, and Brown and and being like, oh, it's really hard to actually be the leader of a team and I had to call Bron and talk to him and apologize because I get it now. At that point, that was mending fences. And anybody who thought that there was no chance that Kyrie and LeBron would play together again is nuts because at that point, we're like, no, Kyrie's got Kevin Durant. They're they're locked in in Brooklyn. They're going to build something. I think they played a total of 48 games together there, right? Because Kevin was injured the first year at the ACL. Um, If not for what they say, a toe on the line last season, you know, maybe they beat Milwaukee. Or I think they, they would have beat Milwaukee. I can't remember, but maybe they have a title. We don't know. But at this particular point, we're looking back. This is two, uh, 2019 where they teamed up there. I remember waiting for free agency to open, and I remember with you know, my friends in the group chat, like, okay, this is going to be crazy. When it was first announced, it's like, oh, well, okay, Kyrie's off the board. He's going to Brooklyn. We knew that. And we knew he was making a move for, you know, the New York metropolitan area anyway because he's from New Jersey. When Kevin Durant signed, we're like, okay, so this is all real. DeAndre Jordan, the Nets were building something. We look around now, and it has been reduced to rubble and ash. There's nothing there now. So if you're the Brooklyn Nets and everybody's like, well, you're a Bulls fan. I mean, you're a Bulls fan and you're a Laker fan. So, of course, you want Kyrie in L.A. Even if I didn't, you're going to lose him for nothing. And this is one of the three one of the three guys Four. they try. They really tried like DeAndre Jordan. No slouch. Kevin Durant, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, arguably probably the best player on the planet right now. He's surpassed LeBron because of age, right? Kyrie Irving, top 75 player of all time. You also added James Harden, top 75 player of all time. You added Blake Griffin, who at one point was a walking bucket and a show, a showman himself. He's not the same Blake Griffin, but if you can pull in Blake Griffin off your bench when other guys are running like subs that most people have never heard of, it's a hell of a threat. They tried to maximize their potential in a three-year window to win an NBA championship, and it didn't work. You're going to lose. You've already lost Karis LeVert, right? You moved him, and I'm like, 
I looked around, I was like, I don't know about this Levert deal. And everybody's like, well, it'll help them win a title. And we look up, and they have no title to speak of. This experiment didn't work out. Now they're saying they want a young all-star, possibly even two, and multiple first-round picks for Kevin Durant. Who can put together that package? Durant wants to either go to Miami or Phoenix. Miami doesn't have the assets, and I don't know if Pat Riley's willing to gut the team. In free agency, if he can get you, he's going to get you. But I don't know about trading and gutting the team. They got Jimmy Butler, free agency. They got LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade as the incumbent, free agency. They didn't have to move any pieces. They've lost P.J. Tucker. He's going to Philly. He's going to make that Philly team a lot better defensively, you know, if if Harden and um, and Embiid can have some sort of uh, sort of chemistry, this could work. Also, Joel Embiid is telling Philly to exhaust every option they have to get Kevin Durant outside of you know moving him. They're not going to move him. He's their franchise player. Um, but Durant can push them over the top. But when it comes to Kyrie, if he's already telling people he's going to be in L.A. And you're like, well, we hold the leverage because he opted in. You don't. You really don't. Because he's a rental. You're only getting him for one year if any other team comes in. It, it would have to be a team who feels like they're on the cusp and they can win the title next year, but they need one more piece. But at the same time, a lot of teams view Kyrie as a headache right now. So are they willing to take that on? Also, if he's telling people he's going to be in L.A. and you're like, what is he, not gonna, what is he just not going to show up to work? Ding, he showed us he's willing to do that this season. So you have to take Kyrie Irving at his word. For the Brooklyn Nets, I'm telling you right now, this is me separating myself as a fan of Los Angeles Lakers basketball. You need to make the deal because you could end up with absolutely nothing and you still would have to pay him $36.5 million this year. He, if, if you try to trade him somewhere he don't want to go, he's going to tell you, fuck no, I'm not doing it. And also, who is going to pony up any of their assets to get a guy on a one-year rental? Unless it's a team who feels like they're on the absolute cusp of winning the title. And still, keep in mind, a lot of teams around the league view Kyrie as a headache, and they're probably not willing to make that deal. He's already telling people, I'm going to L.A., just make the deal. Make the deal at this point. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't. Again, if he's if you try to trade him somewhere he doesn't want to go, he's not going to go. And you're still going to have to pay him $36.5 million. Just make the deal. Now, Kevin Durant, people are expecting an absolute haul for him. Why is that? Because of what happened in this Rudy Gobert deal. The Timberwolves are sending Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Leandro Balmero, uh, the number 22 pick from this year's draft, Walker Kessler, and four first-round picks to the Jazz. Utah will acquire unprotected, keep in mind, unprotected picks, 2023, 2025, 2027, and a top-five protected pick, in, protected pick in 2029. Um, Danny Ainge, as much as I hate Danny Ainge, hated Danny Ainge as a player, as a guy in charge of a team, he's pretty fucking good, right? Um, and we're going to talk about the Celtics in a second as well because it's not like he left them in complete peril. Danny Age got a fucking haul for Rudy Gobert. 
who's not a real scorer. He can he can get buckets because he's a fucking giant, right? You turn around and put it up. He's a shot blocker. He's a rim protector. This is going to allow Cat to move around the floor a lot more if you have a guy down there who can defensively stop the ball. Now, a lot of people keep putting, oh, well, they're going to have D'Lo, um, A. Uh, a. Edwards, Cat, and Gobert, their top four in the West next year. Let's stop right there. They've been actively shopping, shopping D'Angelo Russell since, you know, before free agency opened. So we're pretty certain he's not going to be there unless something drastically changes. But at the same time, Cat, Gobert, Anthony Edwards, if you put the right guys around them, that's a really good team in my opinion. In the West, I don't think that they're top four, top five, top six maybe, but that's a pretty good team. If you put that team in the East, they're one of the top three teams in the East right now, especially with Brooklyn bowing out of one of those spots, obviously. So this is a, this is a really good move. Danny Ainge, again, um, it's, it's really interesting that the Utah Jazz have Danny Ainge running the franchise and Dwayne Wade is one of the owners. This is going to be very, very interesting. Now, those uniforms they're going to be wearing starting next season are god-awful fucking ugly. But, you know, they, they did something to build on their future. Now, a lot of people are like, okay, so now they're going to build around Donovan Mitchell. That's not happening. Donovan is out. He's, ab- he's absolutely out. Um, the question is, what do they want in return for him? He prefers to go to Miami. That's his preferred destination. So we don't know what's going to happen there. Again, Pat Riley, legend. Is he going to be willing to give up assets? When you have a team, you've got, I would imagine they're going to want somebody like Bam. They're not giving up Jimmy Butler. You already lost P.J. Tucker. I don't think you, you don't want to give up Bam out of bio, especially after losing P.J. Tucker. So they're going to have to get really, really crafty with this. I don't know if I have a landing spot in my head for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, somebody said, hey, would you want Donovan in Chicago? Well, who, you just re-signed Zach, right? We got Zach to sign the max extension um, or sign the max deal. You don't move DeMar. Lonzo's actually a pretty good defender. Who do you move to bring in Donovan Mitchell, and how do you round it out? Who goes to the bench at that point? Who do you ask to go to the bench? Do you ask Lonzo Ball to go to the bench? Zach Levine's not going to the bench. He's the first $100 million play in the history of the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls have six championships. The Bulls had Michael Jordan. Nobody ever made $100 million for the Chicago Bulls. That's how cheap Jerry Reinsdorf is. Let me be very clear about that. So you're not going to you're not sending a guy to the bitch who just signed a five-year max deal. That's not going to happen. So who goes to the bench for Donovan? Donovan's not going to go to the bench. So I don't know what's going to happen, but Donovan Mitchell, Utah saying that they're going to retool around Donovan Mitchell. I don't see that happening. I think he's out of there. I don't know where his landing spot is right now. Um, Durant and, and Irving. Three years later are the major pieces at this point. Whatever happens to them, the dominoes will fall into place after that. Okay? But you got to get one of them somewhere. Um, Kimball Walker bought out by Detroit. So who could... Being completely honest, two teams in need of a guy who's not going to play on your starting lineup but could come off the bench and heat up real quick. I know it's going to be like, oh, you're a fucking homer. The Bulls and Lakers both need somebody like that. Adding Kimba Walker to the Bulls bench, I really, really wanted Rudy Gobert. I really did. 
they didn't think that they needed to make that deal. The Bulls still need a rim protector. And and until they figure that out, I used to think it was Gar Foreman and John Paxson. And let me be very clear, they made a lot of stupid fucking deals when they were in charge. This new regime isn't any better either. I don't know if they didn't, if they called and made a pitch to to uh, Utah for Rudy Gobert, if they just sat on their hands, I don't know. But Vooch isn't the guy. He, he's not going to protect the rim. He can get you some buckets, marginable defensively at best, but he's not Rudy Gobert. And the Bulls just missed out. They should have, you know, they should have made that deal. Now, as far as another team in the East, the team who just lost the NBA Finals, the Boston Celtics, not to be outdone, acquired Malcolm Brogdon from the Indiana Pacers on Friday. Uh, Pacers are getting a 2023 first-round pick and five players from the Celtics in return. Uh, looks like they're getting Daniel Theis, uh, Aaron Nesmith. Um, Jesus Christ. Um, you add Brogdon to Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Al Horford. That's a really good team. Now, the question is, how does Marcus Smart feel about this? Because he had the statement when they were like, well, the Celtics need a point guard. He's like, we didn't win anything when we had so-called all-star point guards, and then now we have a really good point guard, and we just made it to the NBA Finals. So who's the better player? And he's speaking about himself. Um, I, I don't... Do you what do you do to keep uh, Marcus Smart happy at this point, right? Because Brogdon is clearly coming in to be the starter. Um, does Marcus Smart go to the bench? You know, I don't know. I just free agency's been very, very interesting thus far. Also, the Knicks gutting their team to get Jalen Brunson is still insane. Uh, Brunson's dad is there with the Knicks. Um, believe in yourself. I, I feel like this. Jalen Brunson probably has a much better chance at getting close to winning a championship or even winning one as a member of the Dallas Mavericks. But who else was going to give you $100 million? I don't have a problem with him taking that deal. Get paid. You're not going to sniff the NBA Finals. You're just not. Like, I love um, Julius Randle, but you and Julius Randle aren't pushing the Knicks to the NBA champion. So, like, that's not happening. Um, maybe you go back to being number one in New York with the Brooklyn Nets. They're going to fall flat on their face. I don't know. Like if Ben Simmons was afraid to shoot with when he had shooters around him in Philly, and now he's going to be the primary piece for an offense. Do you really think like the, the Nets just like they want a, a young all-star back in, in exchange for Durant? Well, who's going to give that up? The sun, they like Phoenix obviously is where Kevin wants to go. And New Jersey told him straight up, we'll send you Kevin for Devin Booker. And Phoenix is like, fuck no. And that's the right thing to say. You have to get... I'm going off on tangents here because there's so, so many things moving. In order for Durant to go to one of his desired destinations, they're going to have to get a third team involved. Um, and that third team is going to have to get a wealth of of draft picks. Well, who has that now? The Utah Jazz. So possibly Donovan and Ben. You bring in Utah as the third team because they've now got picks. Um Brooklyn gets Donovan. 
and well, they don't have any picks. What that doesn't do anything for Utah. So that it's a shitty situation, and not for nothing. Like who really wants Patrick Beverly back in, in a deal? I don't know. I just. I don't know how this deal gets done for Kevin Durant, and I see some of my fellow Bulls fans like Durant to Chicago, book it, ease up there. No, because we have to send back, you have to send back a young all-star. Levine is young, but he's not exactly young, and just sign him, you know, five years, $100 million plus, I don't know if the Bulls send him. DeMar DeRozan isn't exactly young, he's not old, he is an all-star. Um, which took forever, by the way. It's crazy, but um, I I don't see the Bulls landing him unless uh, there has to be a third team. And I would have been really confident with the Bulls running it back with the same roster if they added Rudy Gobert, but they didn't do that. So again, at best, fourth or fifth seed in the East. I'm not really confident in this team because they haven't done what's necessary to put this team over the top. Make no mistake about it. Um, all the time, I remember people being like, you know, when when Kevin Garnett was young and coming up on free agency, they're like, oh, Kevin Garnett's going to the Bulls. No, Garnett remembered how they treated Michael, Scotty, Dennis, and other guys. A lot of guys, it's different now. It's 2022. That Bulls team was done after the 98 finals. They started breaking up the team right after Michael announced his retirement and such. Um, so guys my age still remember that. A lot of these younger guys probably don't. Um, Kobe was the only one who dared to even, you know, cross that threshold he, it's been said he's told the story to Shaq, you know, himself. He was like, he 100% was going to end up in Chicago. He's like, Vanessa had signed off on it. We were there looking at schools and looking at houses. And uh, Rob Palenka was Kobe's agent at that time. Rob Palenka called him and was like, hey, they, uh, they're taking offers on Shaq. And he's like, well, we got to get back home. And Vanessa's like, why? He's like, Dr. Buss is not going to lose both of us in the same year. So they were, you know planning to pay Kobe whatever was necessary to keep him in a Laker uniform, and clearly we see how that worked out. That was the end of the 4 season. Before the 8 season, 07-08 season, where Kobe actually won his first MVP and lost to the Celtics in the final that that year, remember they got Powell at the deadline. Kobe asked to be traded before that to Chicago. And the only thing that stopped the deal is the Lakers wanted Luol Deng in return. And Kobe was like, no, I have to have somebody to play with in Chicago. So Kobe was almost a bull twice. Lo and behold, Luol Deng ended up in L.A. later on and was worth nothing. And he just literally came off the books, I think, this year or last year. And hadn't played for them in God knows how long. Free agency in these deals can tie you up long term. And that's why I think... 100% the Nets don't want to be stuck with Russell Westbrook, but he's an expiring contract. At this point, for Russ, and it's really shitty, he's going to have to latch on, like, all those guys that jumped on the Miami bandwagon when they got Bosh, Wade, and and Braun, all those vets who didn't have a ring and jumped on to get a ring, that's, like, if Russell Westbrook wants to win a championship, that's it. You're no longer a starting part go point guard. Like, and you may think the market is the same for you as it was for John Wall. I don't see that. Um, Westbrook has the MVP, but he had to ball the fuck out to get that MVP. And remember, Durant was injured the season he won the MVP. 
and Russ kept them in playoff contention, average a triple-double. Those things will win you an MVP. Um, he's just not that guy anymore. He's not, and clearly we saw that this past season as a Laker fan. And even when that deal was made, I'm just like, at first I was like, I don't know, and people were like, no, no, Bron can keep him under control. And I was like, you know what? Maybe he can. Maybe this is a good thing. And then, lo and behold, it was not a good thing. Um, so I don't mean to beat all this, you know, beat a dead horse. Um, yeah, NBA free agency is the best season in sports, possibly. Um, I, I just don't know what happens. Um, Vegas does like the Lakers title odds, despite not making any big moves yet so far. Um, but I'm pretty sure that everybody believes that Kyrie Irving is going to be a member of the Los Angeles Lakers when the smoke is all cleared and the dust settles. And I, to be completely honest with you, I do as well. Brooklyn, you know, again, I've already laid it out. They can say, no, we're not taking that deal. You're still going to pay him $36.5 million. You clearly don't want him there, so you're going to pay him to sit at home, and then you're getting nothing in return. Just make the deal so you get something in return. Because at the end of the day, Westbrook is an expiring contract coming off the books at the end of next season as well. And you may be able to get Taylor Horton Tucker in that deal. So I just say make the deal. It just makes all the sense in the world to me. And not just as a Laker fan, just as somebody if looking at it from a general manager's point of view, whether this is the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NHL, you make the deal that's best for you. If, if you want some sort of return on your investment and, and best believe they invested a lot in Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, James Harden, everybody else. It's the Ben Simmons show right now. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, so I'm going to move on to uh, college football. Starting right off at the top, Arch Manning, um, son of Cooper Manning, nephew to Eli and Payton. Uh, the number one quarterback uh, prospect in the country did make his decision. He will be joining um, the Texas Longhorns. He's going to the University of Texas at Austin to be a Longhorn. Um, I got to say, part of this was surprising, and then we found out that Cutcliffe is there on the Texas staff. If you don't know, Cutcliffe um, basically... Peyton and Eli, you know, they run their quarterback camp with him. Derek Cutcliffe is the reason that Daniel Jones got picked as high as he did by the New York Giants, right? Because just let's just be honest about this. And I'm sorry if you guys get mad that I'm saying this. I don't give a fuck. If a black quarterback had the year that Daniel Jones had his last year at Duke, they don't get drafted. They just don't. All right. They don't get drafted in the first round. They don't get drafted at all. Black quarterbacks have to be exceptionally talented, lead a team to a national championship. You can win the Heisman and be voted the best player in college football, and you still aren't. You Like, uh, Troy Smith, great season at Ohio State when he won the Heisman. He went in the late round to the Baltimore Ravens and didn't play. Um, a lot of great guys. Jameis Winston. They thought he was the heir apparent to whatever was going to happen um, in Tampa Bay, and it didn't clearly work out that way. But Jameis is still in the league. Some other guys like went third, fourth round in the draft, et cetera, et cetera. 
some really great talented quarterbacks this year that were black didn't come off the Kenny Pickett is the first quarterback that came off the board in the NFL draft this year, if I'm not mistaken. Hold on, let's go. Let's go back and check. Let's see. I'm pretty sure it was Pickett. Yeah, Kenny Pickett at number 20 to the Steelers. I would argue that there were much better quarterbacks available. And it was a weak quarterback draft, but I didn't. I certainly didn't have Kenny Pickett as the first. A lot of people did. I didn't think that Kenny Pickett was the best quarterback on the board, but he was the first one taken, which usually means... The Steelers also were in a, a situation where, obviously, we knew Ben was gone, so they had to take a quarterback. There was not a single QB taken in the second round. So there were better quarterbacks than Pickett, in my humble opinion. Um, and the next quarterback taken is Desmond Ritter, third round to the Atlanta Falcons, who obviously also needed a quarterback after sending Matt Ryan to Indy. Um, Matt Corral, who I thought was the best out of the three of them, went uh, at 94 in the third round to the Panthers. Um, anyway, I say all that to say this, Arch Manning is headed to Texas. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Derek Cutcliffe is apparently there on that staff from what I've been told. Um, I don't know. I just, he's, he's got the Manning pedigree. Um, unless Arch Manning goes down there and absolutely stinks it up, the chances of him not going in the first round of the NFL draft whenever he comes out are slim to none. I don't see him stinking it up. I don't know what kind of talent they can put around him at the University of Texas. Also, keep in mind, Texas is moving to the SEC. So they're going to play a lot like they were struggling in the Big 12 for the past 8 to 10 years or so. I don't remember exactly, but they were struggling in the Big 12. What are you going to do when you have to play Alabama and even Ole Miss and Florida? and the reigning defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs, and so on and so forth, you know, and Mississippi State, and Auburn, and Texas A&M, who were their rivals, you know, in the Big 12. Um, I, I don't know. So this, to me, this definitely feels like a move based on the fact that Cutcliffe is there, and um, I don't know how much influence you know, the Manning family had of him. Obviously, it would be different if he was going to Ole Miss because Grandpa went there, Uncle Eli went there. Peyton went to Tennessee, and the people of Mississippi um, were absolutely livid. They're just like, how could you do that? You know, you have a legacy to protect here. And when Eli went there, it was, you know, they were really, really happy. Um, Arch made his decision. If it works for him, it, it is what it is. Uh, it's interesting that me being a Sooner fan as well as a USC fan, again, I'm going to talk about some stuff pretty soon. Um, we're going to have to face this guy in the Cotton Bowl in the Red River matchup. Um, Arch Manning, I think he's a very, very talented quarterback. Um, I, don't, I, just, I, I don't know. But, you know, uh, Texas... Um, did add Sarkeesian in Texas added a, a good receiver to the recruiting hall. So they're going to be, they're going to have the skill positions and 
the University of Texas is one of the uh, most profitable universities in the United States. It's obviously the biggest one in the in the state of Texas and the most profitable there. So the NIL deal, um, and obviously being a man in, um, he was going to get money for his name regardless, right? Who doesn't want Arch Manning? Number one, A. Manning. Number two, the top recruit of this class. Who didn't want that, right? It's just like, you know what you're getting with a guy like Arch Manning. Um, as long as he stays healthy. Keep in mind, Cooper played football as well. Um, Cooper had some medical issues that forced him to step away from the game of football. Otherwise, more than likely, he probably, just based off the name alone, he probably makes it to the NFL, right? Um, Cooper would have went before Peyton and Eli. He is the oldest. So, you know, based off the name alone, more than likely, if he doesn't have his medical issues, Cooper ends up in the NFL as well. Um, but now he's got a son possibly headed that direction. So we'll see. Reason we're talking about college football, it's obviously now July and season is going to start the end of next month. Um, this, I thought it was a joke when I saw it, but apparently it's a hundred percent real. Um, USC Trojans, UCLA Bruins are moving from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten. When the tweet went out that they had been talking, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking? This makes no sense. Even Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC. Regionally, Texas is obviously part of the South. It's not the Southeast, but it's part of the South. Oklahoma is very Midwest. It's the next state over here from Missouri and Kansas. Um... But um, it it kind of fits. This one came out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> so this comes directly from US, uh, from ESPN. I'm sorry. USC and UCLA, two of the Pac-12's flagship programs, were notified Thursday night that their application to join the Big Ten has been accepted. The schools will begin play in the conference in 2024. If I'm not mistaken, that's the same year or the same season that Oklahoma and Texas begin playing the SEC. Okay, let me double check. Twenty twenty four is their what they're targeting. So it's going to be very very interesting. Anyway, the Big Ten said in a statement that the vote was unanimous when conference presidents and chancellors met on addition on the addition of the two schools on Thursday evening. The unanimous vote today signifies the deep respect and welcoming culture our entire conference has for the University of Southern California under the leadership of President Carol Folt and the University of California, Los Angeles, under the leadership of Chancellor Gene Block, Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren said. UCLA Athletic Director Martin Germán wrote in a text to ESPN, college athletics is changing and UCLA is always led in times of change. For the sake of our student-athletes and for preserving the legacy of Bruin excellence, we cannot afford to stand still. I don't know what this means for UCLA basketball because you, them and Arizona basically were the Pac-12 in basketball. I don't know if they're moving basketball-wise as well. And that makes the Big Ten tournament probably the preeminent college basketball tournament outside of the Big East and maybe the ACC. But we'll get into all that later. Uh USC Athletic Director Mike Bond called the Big Ten the best home for USC and the Trojan Athletics as we move into the new world of collegiate sports. Them saying and Trojan Athletics, to me, feels like all of USC sports is moving to the Big Ten. So this is crazy. We are excited that our values align with the league's member institutions. Bond said in a statement, we will also uh, we also will benefit from the stability and strength of the conference. 
the athletic caliber of Big Ten institutions, the increased visibility, exposure, and resources the conference will bring our student-athletes and programs, and the ability to expand, expand engagement with our passion and alumni nationwide. The source told ESPN that the exploration of finances and what it would take to make the move has been going on for weeks. While finances are playing a big role in the move, competitiveness, brand, and the overall landscape of the future of the sport have played a bigger role. USC and UCLA have to make decisions to position them for uh, best for the long term. A source familiar with the move told ESPN, the future is so uncertain we need to be operating from a position of strength. The Pac-12 released a statement later Thursday saying it was extremely surprised and disappointed by the news of US, UCLA and USC leaving. We have a long and storied history in athletics, academics, and leadership in supporting student-athletes that, we've off, uh, that we're confident will continue to thrive and grow into the future, the Pac-12 said in its statement. The Pac-12 is home to many of the world's best universities, athletic programs, and alumni, representing one of the most dynamic regions in the United States. We've long been known as the Conference of Champions, and we're unwavering in our commitment to extend that title. We will continue to develop new and innovative programs that directly benefit our member institutions, and we look forward to partnering with current and potential members to pioneer the future of college athletics together. The reason this move would be less disruptive than the potential moves in the ACC is that USC and UCLA have a grant of rights tied to the current Pac-12 television contract, which expires after the 2023 football season and the 2023-2024 school year. That's why the expectation is that both schools can go to the league for the 2024-25 season and not suffer any financial penalty. And this was the big holdup in the Oklahoma-Texas to the SEC. Pac-12 officials have been nudging both Los Angeles schools for years to extend their grant of rights. The fact they didn't hinted they had greater ambition. Aha! Quote, we just got soonered and horned, a high-ranking university official at one of the Pac-12 schools told ESPN, referring to the decision made last year by Texas and Oklahoma to leave the Big 12 Conference for the SEC. Um, The financial pressures being felt by the Pac-12 are similar to those being felt in the ACC and beyond, as conference revenue projections, which can vary and are not always linear, have the SEC and Big 10 making nearly double the amount of some of the other Power 5 leagues later in this decade. Those financial pressures left USC and UCLA the choice of bullying the Pac-12 for unequal revenue shares or going elsewhere and having a seat at the table for the long term. The impact of these finances will allow them to not only stay competitive nationally in football, but also sustain the support for all sports, including women's sports and non-revenue sports. With Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, it became evident for those schools that there was only one option, said the source familiar with the move. It will be interesting to see how this will affect affect Fox's upcoming television deal with the Big Ten. They're going to get paid, which is expected to be announced in the upcoming weeks. The addition of the two schools would bring uh, in both the West Coast and one of the country's most appealing media markets, Los Angeles. Where you want to be if you want to be in entertainment, either that or New York, just saying. The move is gutting for the future of the Pac-12 as Fox has added investment you see uh, UCLA and USC inventory in the Big Ten means the investments in the Pac-12, which Fox has long owned part of, will be decreased significantly. This move leaves the conference with Oregon and Washington as its top schools after losing the two biggest brand names. Quote, I was always of the opinion that UCLA couldn't leave Cal. A Pac-12 source told ESPN there's no more political state than our that or a system than that. That was very surprising. This is a move of epic proportions. Number one, because it's the second time two of the charter members of a Power 5 conference in a calendar year have decided, no, nah, this ain't good enough. We're out of here. 
this is very damaging for the Pac-12. Now, with the NIL rules and everything, sport is obviously changing. The SEC adding Oklahoma and Texas was a big deal, right? For Oklahoma, me being a Sooner fan, if I turn to my left, I have my Sooner light. I have my Sooner helmet. I have my mini Sooner helmet. I have my Sooner cap. And I'm also looking at my Sooner cup. Sooner born, Sooner bred. When I die, I'll be Sooner dead. I am also a huge USC fan. I got my eye on something this fall. Um, <laughs> when we lost Bedlam to Oklahoma State, looking at the sideline in that game, going late, I said Lincoln Riley just didn't look checked in. Something doesn't feel right. The very next morning, Lincoln Riley gets announced as the new head coach of the USC Trojans. Well, guess what? Clay Heldon was always the wrong move. It should have been Coach O, right? Um, Coach O obviously not coaching LSU anymore. Um, wow. It's been a seismic shift in college football over the past 12 months or so. Um, all the conversation was that Lincoln Riley was afraid of going to the SEC. What is the second most competitive conference in college football? The Big Ten. So if it was true that Lincoln was ducking the smoke in the SEC, it ain't getting any easier for him in the Big Ten, guys. Sorry. And I'm saying this as an Oklahoma and USC fan. This is coming directly from the horse's mouth, ladies and gentlemen. If anybody knows these conferences and these football programs, this guy right here. Um, I don't know what happens to the Pac-12 now. Also, you have to keep in mind this. You still have the New Year's Six Bowls. They're going to go back to the table and talk about the college football playoff expansion. This is going to play a heavy part in that as well. Keep in mind, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, right? The Rose Bowl was the one bowl that was keeping us from having a definitive national championship game. When they finally decided to be part of it, that's when we got the BCS. The BCS then evolved and then we had the plus one format, and then finally the college football playoff, right? Um, number one, I can't wait till EA college football comes back next year. I am going to be on that shit so fucking hard, just saying. However, um, so now we're in this position where the team that actually calls the Rose Bowl home, the UCLA Bruins, are now part of the Big Ten. The if the Rose Bowl is not part of the college football playoff, by de facto, the Big Ten champion, if they do not make the playoff, and the Pac-12 champion, if they do not make the playoff, meet in the Rose Bowl. If each conference sends their champion to the college football playoff, and the Rose Bowl is not part of the playoff rotation that year, then you get the runner-up. The Rose Bowl is the most prestigious bowl in college football. It always has been. It always will be. Okay? How does this affect the Rose Bowl now? Because you have now a championship game between two conference champions, and one of them is now switched to the other conference, and the other conference may not be able to survive. How does this move affect the Rose Bowl? That's the biggest question. Not for me. That is a huge question. It's not the biggest question. The biggest question is, what does the Pac-12 do going forward? Okay? Now, apparently, they have their eyes on expansion. 
Um, for me, when they expanded and added Colorado and um, I forgot who else they added. Jesus, I can't remember. That was like over 10 years ago. Boise State was riding absolutely fucking high at that time. I can't understand why. I don't know if they didn't reach out to them or if they didn't. Boise State said no. Boise State should have joined the Pac-10. They were a media darling at that point. They had built a really, really nice program. And they're a program that you're looking at. And that would have bought more attention. The biggest issue with the Pac-12 is it's California. I'm a Laker fan as well as a Bulls fan. I've said that multiple times on this particular podcast episode, right? The issue with me, unless it's a playoff game or it's a Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon game or something like that, I only get to watch so many Laker games because half of the time I pass out. If it's a home game, they're not playing to fucking 11 o'clock my time. Maybe 10 o'clock because I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, that's why, unless you had a, a team that was a powerhouse in the Pac-12, everybody's like, when is the Pac-12 going to get into the college football playoff? Well, Washington did, and they got throttled, right? Other than that, you want USC in there. The program just hasn't been good enough to get there. They did win a Rose Bowl, I think, four or five years ago against Penn State, right? They haven't been good enough to get there. No eyes are on the Pac-12. You don't have many Heisman candidates coming out of there since Christian McCaffrey. I, there, there's probably been somebody else I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Why? Because they play so late at night. That's the biggest issue. Um, For obvious reasons, number one being travel, this is going to be really tough, but they're committed going forward to this. UC, USC and UCLA, USC number one wanted to get paid. Even though they've had some really down and lean years, they are still one of the preeminent programs in college football. And they didn't feel like they were being treated as such as a member of the Pac-12. This also from ESPN. This comes from senior writer Heather Dinich. The Pac-12 presidents and chancellors on Friday morning authorized the conference to explore all expansion options following the decisions of USC and UCLA to join the Big Ten in 2024, according to a statement from the Pac-12. So right now, the powers of the Pac-12, looking at it this way, Oregon and Utah, unless Arizona football, you know, takes a leap, or Arizona State. Quote, the 10 university presidents and chandlers remain committed to a shared mission of academic and athletic excellence on behalf of our student-athletes, the statement said. If they don't get anybody else to join, which they're going to get somebody else, these mid-major schools who are looking to jump into a Power 5 conference to have a route to the college football playoff, they're going to jump in there. If they don't, they go back to 10 teams, and then you have no conference championship game. The Big 12 had to petition because they kept the name, but they only had 10 schools, but they kept the Big 12 name. They had to petition the NCAA to allow them to have a college football, uh, uh, a conference championship game because they didn't, they had an uneven amount. Well, 10 is even, but I think you have to have 12 uh, charter schools to have a conference title game. Uh, quote, the 10 university presidents and chancellors, chancellors remain committed to a shared mission of academic and athletic excellence on behalf of our student athletes. The statement said, uh, one source in the conference told ESPN on Friday, it's wide open as far as who the Pac-12 will consider inviting, but added the Big 12 and ACC are worth exploring. While there has been speculation about Oregon and Washington wanting to follow USC and UCLA to the Big 10, there has been no official indication in the league of, uh, of their intentions. 
Everybody's playing it close to the vest, the source said. The Big Ten presidents and chancellors voted unanimously on Thursday to add USC and UCLA to the conference starting on August 2nd, 2024. A second source within the Pac-12 told ESPN on Friday effort is, every effort is being made to secure the league's future. The Pac-12 released a statement later Thursday saying it was extremely surprised and disappointed by the news of USC and UCLA leaving. We have a long and storied history in athletics, academics, and leadership in supporting the student-athletes that we're confident will continue to thrive and grow into the future. The Pac-12 said in a statement the Pac-12 is home to many of the world's best universities, athletic programs, and alumni. They still have Stanford, which is basically Harvard, Yale, Princeton of the West. Uh, We've long been known as the Conference of Champions, and we're unwavering in our commitment to extend that title. We will continue to develop new and innovative programs that directly benefit our member institutions, and we look forward to partnering with current and potential members to pioneer the future of college athletics together. The TV money is the big deal here. Um, how much money was Fox going to be willing to pony up to the Pac-12 when they have, when was the last thing? Oh, God, who have they actually sent? Let's go back and look at the college football playoff. Let's see. Uh, Alabama, so the first one was Alabama, Oregon, Florida State, Ohio State. Pac-12 is out. Second, Clemson, Alabama, Michigan State, Oklahoma. Pac-12 is out. Um, let's see. Um, group of five ranked champion the first year, Boise State at number 20, 11, and 2. What did I say earlier? The Pac-12 should have invited Boise State when they were inviting the Colorados of the world and stuff like that. Year three, Alabama, Clemson, Washington, Ohio State. Uh, Penn State and Oklahoma were the two teams on the outside looking in. Uh, No Pac-12 team even close that year. 2017-2018, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and USC fell to eight. They were the closest that year, right? Wisconsin was six. They were the first team out. Um, Jesus Christ. 2018-2019. Uh, so Washington in 26-2017 is the only team thus far to make the playoff, if we're looking at this correctly. 2018-2019, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Notre Dame. Washington was at 9. Uh, Fresno State was at 21. Um, do you do you offer Fresno State a seat at the table if you're the Pac-12? Is that That's not going to move the needle. Sorry. Uh, 2019-2020, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. Oregon was the first team, uh, the second team out at number six, right? Uh, 2020, 2021, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Um, Oregon was at 25. That's how far the Pac-12 was out. And then 2021, 2022, Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, and Cincinnati. Utah at number 11 was the closest team. So they've had one team from their conference make the college football playoff And this thing has been going on since 2014 and 2015. Here we are seven years later, and you've had one team. I'm sorry, no. Oh, that's right. Oregon is yet to make it. They got bounced. This year would have been, this would have been the closest, like Oregon could have made it this year, but they faltered at the end. Um, So, yeah, I'm always for chaos. If my teams, if Oklahoma and USC aren't in it, Going into the last weekend, 
I'm just like, all right, fuck it, chaos. Or if Oklahoma is sitting on the outside looking in or USC is sitting on the outside looking in, give me chaos on championship Sunday. Help my teams get in, right? But unfortunately for the Pac-12, that is yet to happen. So now they're in a position where you just lost. UCLA football, it's not what it used to be, right? However, UCLA basketball is still one of the preeminent programs in college basketball. USC football has had some down years. However, still one of the preeminent programs in college football. So, going forward, if you're the Big Ten, um, absolutely behooves you to bring in these two schools. There's nothing wrong with this move. In fact, I think it's great on the part of the Big Ten. Now, when you play in the Pac-12, if you don't know, Pac stands for Pacific. Where is the coldest you're playing? Maybe Washington in, in November? Colorado in November? Other than that, Arizona, Arizona State, Los Angeles, um, well, Oregon, Oregon State. Okay. USC or UCLA going to the big house to play Michigan or going to the horseshoe to play Ohio State when we get to those cold winter months is going to be very, very interesting. I saw on Twitter people kept throwing Kansas around. Why would the Big Ten want Kansas? For basketball reasons, I get it. If the Big Ten, if the Big 12 loses Kansas, that's a wrap. Like, like not, not, not from a football perspective, but from a basketball perspective, yeah, you still have K-State. Kansas basketball is the crown jewel of Big 12 basketball. Make no mistake about it. Nobody cares about Texas Tech. Nobody cared about Texas Tech until um, Bobby Knight went down there. It's been a long time since Kevin Durant played at the University of Texas. It's been a long time since TJ Ford was a household name. If the Big 12 loses Kansas, from a basketball perspective, that's a wrap. I hear people saying, well, the Big Ten's not done. My thought is, why the fuck would you add Kansas? Kansas football is terrible. But Kansas basketball, one of the preeminent programs in college basketball. They are a blue blood program. Going forward, NIL has changed a lot. Now, make no mistake about it, conference realignment was happening before the NIL because of the network. When the Big Ten added a network and the SEC added a network and the Longhorn, Texas was like, you guys have your conference networks. We want our own school network. When you had the the Longhorn network, that changed it. Cable television changed sports forever. Satellite television changed sports forever. Streaming television has changed things as well. That's why you see the NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV, right? These these deals that they're giving out television-wise are unilaterally changing all of sports. NIL coming in definitely changed. The transfer portal definitely changed. So now these kids can go to school, go to feeder grounds for the NFL, or the NBA, get paid, enter a transfer report, I don't like it at this school, I'm out of here. 
go to another school and now not have to sit out a full season, go play, run it up like Justin Fields did at Ohio State, run it up like Joe Burrow did at LSU, and then go to the top of the NFL or NBA draft. It's never going to be the same. Never going to be the same. My advice to the Pac-12, I don't even know if I can say. Let's see. Oh, my God. So, Athlon Sports has uh, Pac-12 expansion candidates to replace USC and UCLA. Well, you're not going to get anybody that good. Um, the first picture I'm seeing is Oklahoma State. Well, if Oklahoma's going to the SEC and you're more than likely going to lose the Bedlam game, why not? Because Oklahoma State has proven that they have been very good at recruiting and very good at football lately. Uh, Athlon Sports says college football realignment and conference expansion is back in the news after USC and UCLA decided to leave the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten. With the Trojans and Bruins departing, the Pac-12 is down to 10 teams. Although the conference is yet to respond with an official uh, declaration of expansion, moves may need to happen to bolster the league back to 12 or even 14 teams. They probably need to get to a a good 14. Um, The Pac-12 could also decide to stick at 10 programs for the future and opt to pass on expansion. However, with the danger of more expansion in the Big Ten, adding programs seems like the best course of action for the Pac-12. Which programs should the Pac-12 consider for expansion or replace USC and UCLA? Uh, USC and UCLA, Athlon Sports profiles the teams to watch. Um, Baylor. Um, I don't know. Does Baylor really move the needle? Boise State. I've often said Boise State. The Broncos are one of the top uh, group of five programs. The nation would be an easy ge- uh, geographic fit into the North Division with Washington, Washington State, Oregon, and Oregon State. Boise State wouldn't add a huge television market, but this would be a competitive football program right away in the Pac-12. Yes, Boise State, wake up. If the Pac-12 calls you, it's time to stop playing with the little guys. It's time to play with the big boys. You need to get out of this group of five conference. If they call you, you need to make the move. BYU. Pac-12 hasn't had much interest in BYU in previous rounds of realignment, but that could change now. Would Utah push back on its in-state rival getting an invite to the conference? The Cougars are set to join the Big 12 next season, but remain one of the top programs not in a Power 5 conference going in 22. I forgot they were joining the, the Big 12. This is interesting. Houston Cougar, Cougars are on their way to the Big 12 in 2023, but what if the Pac-12 comes calling? With the Pac-12 losing two huge, brand, two huge brands, expansion into a new market, Texas should be on the table. Houston should go to the Big 12. That just screams Big 12. BYU, though, should go to the Pac-12. That makes more sense. Iowa State is unlikely to be at the top of the Pac-12 expansion list, but this is a solid athletic department with a passionate fan base to fill Jack Trice Stadium for every home game. No. No, 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 no. That's stupid. What does Iowa State bring to you? They don't bring anything valid to you from a football standpoint or a basketball standpoint. They just don't. Every couple of years, they may have a decent basketball team, but no. And they've never had a super solid college football team. So, no, this is just dumb. Uh, Kansas. The Jayhawks have struggled to have success in football in recent years, but there's little doubt Kansas would add value to the Pac-12 for potential markets, Kansas City and St. Louis, and a standout basketball team. Um, Here's the thing. Whoever gets Kansas is going to go after them for basketball purposes only. If you're losing UCLA to the Big Ten, 
and that was your premier program. Um, Stanford women's basketball. After UCLA men's basketball, Stanford women's basketball is probably, not even probably, they are the best basketball program in the Pac-12, right? The Lady Cardinal. So, yeah, you need to add the Kansas. If I'm uh, the Pac-12, yeah, I probably would. But also at the same time, the Big Ten doesn't need to change their name because it's not geographically tied. Um, Like I said, Texas is part of the South. Oklahoma, not so much. SEC doesn't exactly need to change their name. The Pac-12 would need to change the name. Something's got to go. Uh, Kansas State, even though the Wildcats have been more successful than their in-state rival Kansas on the gridiron in recent years, K-State would likely rank behind the Jayhawks in terms of expansion interest from the Pac-12. Oklahoma State was another program mentioned prominently last summer in the potential expansion for the Pac-12. In the new look Big 12, the Cowboys would be one of the top programs available and interested in a move to a bigger and better conference. Oklahoma State has been a consistent winner under Coach Mike Gundy, hasn't recorded a losing season on the gridiron since 2005. As I stated, Oklahoma State football is very good. Um, You worry about certain games. In recent years, I haven't had to worry about the Texas-Oklahoma game because Texas has been dog shit. I haven't had to worry about USC versus UCLA because UCLA has been dog shit. Bedlam is the one game I've had to worry about because, number one, Mike Gundy is a good fucking football coach, and number two, the Oklahoma State Cowboys have recruited very fucking well and played very fucking well. So um, that would be a good get for uh, for the Pac-12. San Diego State... Um, it gives them another school in California. It doesn't replace the loss of UCLA and USC. So uh, I don't know if we're like, why do we have that conversation? They are getting a new stadium in 2022. Uh, they've won at least 10 games in the last five out of seven seasons. But, you know, who knows? Um, TCU, no. Texas Tech, no. Um, a lot of these schools don't make sense. Oklahoma State, Boise State, BYU. Those are the schools I would have on my radar if I'm the Pac-12. Everybody else, no. And Kansas, if obviously I want to re well, I take that back. I said that the Lady Cardinal Stanford was the second best team in the Pac-12. I'm sorry, the Arizona State Wildcats, right? But the the Lady Stanford Cardinal have won national championships, and they're one of the preeminent programs in women's college basketball. So I still have to give them their props. And really, they're probably still too. Arizona is not the Arizona under Lute Olson, so. You know, um, but yeah, if I'm the Pac-12, um, Oklahoma State, Kansas for basketball purposes, BYU, basketball and football, football more so, maybe basketball, Boise State, Baylor, the rest of them, leave them alone. I just don't see it. It doesn't make any sense. But um, yeah, it's been an interesting last few days <laughs> sports wise. And I was like. I, I have to record, like, as dog shit tired as I am, uh, we were filming till 4 a.m. the other night, obviously working on the next feature film, I'm exhausted, and I still have to go to work, and I still have to be a dad, but I'm like, no, this conversation has to happen, and at, at one point, I was like, I'm not gonna do it, I'm gonna actually rest this weekend, and then, I'm like, no, no, I'm up, I slept, I feel good, let's get down to fucking brass tacks, too much has happened, um, Three years ago, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving decided to team up and pretty much change the landscape of the NBA. And three years later, here they are splitting up and pretty much going to change the landscape of the NBA because two teams are going to get two generational talent players. Some are saying 
that they, you know, we've heard they still want to play together, not just just not in Brooklyn. And some are saying there's a route to the Lakers getting both of them. Kyrie, LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Anthony Davis. You tell me a team that beats them in the NBA championship. I just don't see it. The Golden State Warriors, no. And they're the biggest threat. The Phoenix Suns, no. The Los Angeles Clippers, who are right across the hall, but are opening their own building soon, no. Um, I don't see it happening. At best, I do see Kyrie being a Laker. I don't see Kevin Durant being a Laker. Stranger things have happened. I don't see it happening, and the Lakers don't truly have the assets to pull it off. And the Brooklyn Nets would more than likely want AD in return. Um, but if you're the Lakers, you absolutely make the Kyrie deal because Bron is two years younger than I am, and I'm 40, so he'll be 38 in December. We know that everybody's like, well, where are you going to go next? Whatever team drafts my son, that's why I'll be playing. You know he's going to leave. He's basically campaigning to get Bronny drafted. That's number one. Uh, even though I think Bryce is definitely the better of his two sons. Um, but even if, if it wasn't about playing with Bronny, Bron's getting there, right? This is We're coming up on year 20 here. At some point, he's going to have to walk off into the sunset. Putting Kyrie and KD together, I'm sorry, not KD, Kyrie and AD together, if you can get more pieces around that, and who wouldn't want to go play with the Lakers after that, that solidifies a future and gives you a chance at more titles. Kyrie, LeBron, and AD this summer is a formidable opponent for the Golden State Warriors, as well as the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. Those are the teams, and Philly, I'm sorry. Philly, um, Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix, Golden State, and the Clippers if everybody comes back healthy with John Wall. Those eight teams... Those are your NBA championship, uh, the teams that have a, le- a legitimate shot at winning an NBA championship next season, provided they get what they need and everybody comes back healthy. For the Lakers to be mentioned among those teams, they do need to get Kyrie Irving. Anyway, that's all my time today. Um, I thought this was going to be a long episode. It's a pretty long episode. Um, had a lot to talk about. Um, we get into the dog days of summer. Uh, We're headed to the all-star break for Major League Baseball, so I'm going to start giving you guys more baseball content. Um, I don't know what the hell my Cardinals are doing. Yankees are still red hot. Uh, Scherzer's going to be back for the Mets pretty soon, so that's awesome. Um, But yeah, this was an absolute pleasure. Um, Can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. In this, like I end every other podcast, my name is Derek Lamont Jackson. I encourage you all to believe in yourself first and foremost, because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will believe in you. That's my time for the day. You guys enjoy your holiday weekend. Peace out.